Good morning. I'm glad to be back. Those of you that haven't met me, I'm Mike Cooper. I'm the pastor here. And just so you know, I wasn't here last Sunday and I missed it. Missed you. Missed being here. Just missed worshiping. Missed preaching. Missed the whole thing. But we had a great trip. We had a great hunt. We didn't kill an elk for those of you that have asked and don't know. But we tried. And we came pretty close without shooting. Anyway... Uh, Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 with me this morning, and I want to talk about a a passage that's pretty powerful stuff. Obviously, I forgot about Super Church, so if you're third grade and under, you can go right out the back door with the Super Church kids and take off. Sorry, guys. Third grade and under. Awesome group, huh? Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by such sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance to come and to worship. I thank you, Father, for every man and woman and boy and girl that's here with us today. Lord, you know them. You know where they are. You know what they're struggling with. You know their victories. You know their needs. You know their hurts and their pains. You know them. And I am so grateful that you know us, Lord. Because you desire to walk with us and minister to us. For those that are here that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, you you desire to save them from sin and from judgment. You desire to know them and have a relationship with them through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray for their salvation even today. For the rest of us, Lord, that know you, uh, you desire great things in our lives as well. An intimate, personal, daily relationship with us. A faith, Lord, from us toward you that would sustain us even in the most difficult times. But Father, you desire for us to be faithful as well to walk with you regardless of circumstances or trials or hurts. You desire for us to live for Jesus Christ and Him alone. As we look into your word this morning, I pray that you give us the strength to do that, that in every way you might be worshipped in us. I love you, Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a passage of Scripture that God really put on my heart this past week, and it's, it's powerful in some, some pretty deep ways. I mean... Scriptures are always deep. Sometimes I think we, we see them as shallow. Sometimes there are passages that we've heard many times before. But I mean, this is a passage of Scripture that's deep in a lot of ways that really should be applied to our lives if you are a follower of Jesus Christ every day. And, and I'll be honest with you, it probably doesn't happen anywhere near the level that it should if you claim to know Jesus Christ in your life. I mean, the truth is, is is I've said this so many times, is as American Christians, we are the most complacent, apathetic, indifferent, uncommitted, wimpy kind of Christians 
you could ever imagine. We just are. I, I know people don't necessarily like it when I say that, but it's true. I mean, this passage of Scripture is talking to a bunch of believers who suffer. These Hebrews that this, the writer is writing to have suffered for their faith in very deep, powerful ways. I mean, turn back to chapter 10 with me and, and read along with me so you can see kind of what they've experienced. Chapter 10, verse 32 and following of Hebrews, it says, But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised. And literally, you could go on if you wanted to, but but get the picture now. This book is written to those who experience great conflicts of sufferings for their faith. How many of you have had great conflicts of sufferings for being a Christian? Not many. I promise you, not many. Not like this. Not where you're being arrested. Not where you're being made public spectacles. Not where you're losing your homes and your possessions. Not where being a Christian could cost you your life right here in your hometown. None of us, not one of us, have experienced that in America. Not one. And so, the writer's writing to these guys because they're in danger. They're in danger of turning away from Jesus Christ. They're in danger of saying, look, our sufferings are so deep and our trials are so hard in the name of Jesus Christ that we're about ready to just walk away from him and not give any more to him. We've given more than most Americans have ever considered to give already, but we're almost at our wits end. And the writer's trying to encourage them to continue to walk with Jesus Christ. He goes on to chapter 11 and and it's called the Hall of Faith, basically, And we won't go through it all, but it talks about some of the great men of faith in the Bible. Abel, who gave a better sacrifice to God and was killed by his brother out of jealousy. Uh, Enoch, who was taken by God because he'd walked with God, and then he was not because God took him. Great man of faith. You go through Abraham, you talk about Noah, you can talk about Moses, you can talk about David. I mean, you can talk about all these great men who had great victories because of their faith and their perseverance in, in the Lord, and yet all of them... Every single one of them had big, huge trials and sufferings and issues that they had to persevere through. And, and then you come down to the last part of chapter, 12, or chapter 11 of Hebrews. And it says in verse 36, And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and in mountains and caves and in holes in the ground. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of the Lord God Almighty, and experience those times of trials to the place where you saw other believers being sawn in two for their faith, killed by the sword, 
for their faith, forced to live in holes in the ground or caves in the field for their faith. Can you imagine what would happen in the church today in America if that type of persecution began to come? Man, we'd have so many people graciously bowing out of Christ. One after the other, after the other, after the other, because it costs too much. Amen? Not many amens there, right? Listen to what it says as you come to chapter 12. Knowing the sufferings these guys are going through, knowing that there's examples of men who have died for their faith already, he says to them, not, he doesn't say to them, well, you know, if it gets hard or it gets dangerous, just back away and hide your head and don't tell anybody you're a Christian, just blend in. He doesn't say that. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Man, what an incredible verse that is. You talk about a deep verse. I mean, you you talk about a verse that, that most of us absolutely hate to hear. This counsel. When the trials come, when things get tough, when God asks you to give up your comfortable life, when God asks you to give up the things of the world, when God asks you to give up your selfishness, when God asks you to stay strong in the midst of sickness or cancer or disease or financial disaster or family disaster, when God asks you to walk on with Him and trust Him and you come to somebody and you say, look, man, it's hard. Don't you understand how hard it is to walk with Jesus? Don't you know what it's cost me to walk with Jesus? Don't you know that I don't see anything but suffering in my future? What can I do? What can I do to find some relief? What can I do to find some answers? What can I do? How should I respond to God when the trials are coming like crazy? What do I do? And you hear God's Word say, get rid of all the sin that entangles you Get rid of all the things that would keep you from walking with Him. Get rid of all the things that would hinder your relationship with God. And do this. Run the race with endurance that God has set before you. Run the race. Live the life. Sell out for Jesus Christ. Don't back down. Don't give up. Don't cry. Don't whine. Don't complain. Run the race. It's a crazy, crazy thought. It certainly is not the American way. The American way is anytime the heat gets turned up, we run away. We don't want the heat turned up. God's not worth the heat being turned up in our lives, right? God's not worth having to give up something for Him. God's certainly not worth to suffer over. God's God's just a convenience in our life that's no different than a plasma TV or a new vehicle or a nicer car. And, you know, if I have to suffer and not have a plasma TV, I can. I can do with the old style if I need to. So if I have to not have God in my life, I can get by with that too. Is that right? Listen, this race that he's talking about here is the Greek word that we get our English word agony from. It's not talking about a little 
easy race. You know, when I want to do a race, I want to do a jog for about 20 feet and see if I can beat your jog for 20 feet. That's the race I want to be in because I know if I have to run a mile, I could potentially end up dead, right? I mean, maybe not. I'm quite sure I could actually run a mile. I have recently. I could do that, but the truth is, is we don't want to, right? Why go a mile when you can go 20 feet? Why give $1,000 when you can give 10? Why suffer when you can have convenience? And the truth is, is you can have convenience. Every single one of us in this room can have convenience. But we can't have convenience and follow Jesus Christ. That cannot be done. You cannot have your life and have Christ's life at the same time. They run contradictory to one another. If you're going to walk with God and you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you have got to get on a race or a path or a life that is willing to follow Him no matter what the cost. That's the only way to follow Him. If you're not on that life, if you are not surrendered to Jesus Christ, if you are not going His way, you're not going His way at all. You don't get to go part-time. Man, he says, run with endurance the race. This agonizing, difficult, continual, long-distant life is what God's calling us to. And it's crazy if you think about it. I mean, here's what the Christian race is all about. Here's what the Christian life is all about. It starts with a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've walked with God for very long, that can be plenty difficult on its own, isn't it? How difficult is it every day to get up and make sure you worship Him first and foremost? Above all else, above your family, above your job, above your desires, above your fun, above whatever it is. Man, that can be tough, can't it? Just in that. But that's the basis of the Christian life is this relationship that we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And men, we better start living that life as if He's priority number one. Not number ten or number five or not even number two. The Christian life is a daily desire for holiness and righteousness. The Word of God tells us to be holy as He is holy. And yet half the time we have Christians that couldn't care less about holiness. They couldn't care less about righteousness. They care about what they would term occasional righteousness. Comfortable holiness. You know, the kind that when you feel like being righteous, you do it. But when you don't, it's okay. It's okay to be, you know, just like the world. It's okay to be like the buddies at work. They swear a little bit so I can swear a little bit. God surely won't mind. Except the Word of God says that let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. None. Why would that be pleasing to God? The occasional holiness that we try to have is holy when we need to be. As parents, maybe holy when our children are around. But as soon as the kids aren't around, we'll watch something on TV that would would embarrass us if we watched it with our children. We're talking about the race. We're talking about the Christian life. We're not talking about what you want or what you think is best. We're not talking about how you can live your life 
with having as small a part of God in it as you could possibly have and still appease your conscience. We're talking about running the race. And it can be difficult. Because it's not just about having that relationship with God first through His Son, Jesus, and then living that holy life. It's about having a relationship with other believers. Which can be pretty difficult too, can it? About forgiving those who sin against us, not just once or twice, but Jesus said seven times. Seventy, literally meaning as often as they sin against you, you forgive them because that's what I have done through my death on the cross for you. And we could go on and on and on, could we not? How about service? Does God want you to serve if you are a follower of Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. Absolutely. And not serve yourself. God didn't save you so you could be the most selfish person on earth. He didn't save you so you could do whatever you wanted to do. And every now and then, if you have to, help somebody else. He saved you to be like Jesus. And he says in Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Is that who you are in the race? What about sacrifice? We don't even want to talk about sacrifice. Service would be enough sacrifice for most of us, but then we talk about sacrifice and everybody's like, well, you're going to talk about money. Yep. Don't talk about my money. My money's mine. I earned it. I worked for it. Not according to Scripture. You have nothing that's not been given to you by God, including your health and your mind and your abilities and your job and your money. Honestly, God's calling you to live the life that says, man, I'll give my life away in the name of Jesus Christ if that's what He's asking Money ought to be the least of your worries, by the way. You see what I'm saying? This Christian life, man, it may be difficult and it may be costly, but we ought to live in a way that says this is not the best that God has to offer us. You and I are aliens in this world. The Scripture says that we're just passing by. The Bible calls us like, like grass of the field, we're here today and gone tomorrow. The Bible says that the thing that we ought to be living for is the joy of having a relationship with the living God and knowing that one day we will live forever with Him, without sin, without limitations, without ruin, without any kind of need. The joy of our life is God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't it? Or is it this world? Because honestly, if it is this world, we're not going to run the race. Because... It's too costly. Man, I, I had a lot of time to pray this week, and I do mean a lot of time. We got up at 4, ate our breakfast, instant oatmeal, <laughs> saddled the horses, rode out of camp in the dark, and were gone all day long and rode back into camp after dark. And we weren't always chasing elk. Most of the time, I was trudging along behind Randall, which was awesome. Randall's a great hunter. I had a great time with him and Tim, although i got to talk to Tim. Where are you? He's not here. Oh, he's on vacation anyway. He's on vacation. Anyway, so I had all this time to pray. 
And some of those times I'm battling the struggles that I'm having because I'm with two men that can walk all day long, anywhere. And I'm not built for that. I'm built for comfort, i got to tell you. I am built for comfort. When I played football, all I had to do was grab you and throw you to the ground. I didn't have to run very far because if I had to run very far, you were going to get away. Built for comfort. But honestly, we're, we're trudging along and, and, man, walking for hours and walking through some dark timber. And even when, even when the bulls are, are bugling and, man, we, we climb up this hill and I'm, I am huffing. Man, you can ask Randall. I sounded like a huge old bear. Ha, ha, ha. I'm trying not to be too loud, scare those elk away. But we get up this hill, we get set up, and, and the crazy elk comes in for a while. And then he leaves, and, and Randall and Tim are like, well, let's follow him. Do you know where that elk's going? He's going up that mountain. He's not going down, and he's not going on the, tr- on the path. He's going over the down timber, and on the mountain, and over the woods, and the hills, and the dales. I don't know where he's going. They're like, come on. And I'm like, okay. And I'm not kidding. I'm tired. We didn't even see the elk until we'd been out there three days, and uh, you know, I'm already walked out, and now we're going over these hills, and I'm praying, Lord, I want that elk. I want to shoot that thing. I want to hang his head on my wall, and I want to eat his rear end for supper. I want that elk. I'm not kidding. So I'm following him up the hill, and, and I'm praying, Lord, give me the strength, because I'm soaked through. It's early in the morning. I still have on my heavy coat. You know, you don't have time to change coats when the elks are bugling. So I got my heavy coat. I'm just dying of heat. and I'm tired. My legs are sore. My feet hurt. And we get all the way to the top of that mountain, and that crazy elk stops bugling. And you're like, oh, that was fun. And it was. And it wasn't. I mean, it was hard. And I, I don't mean to make light of it. It was hard, but it was exciting. And honestly, we got way back in there in places that I would have never gone before. We found places that the elk would stay that we would have never seen before. We saw beauty that God created like we had never seen before because we went and did those things. And, and I began to think about my Christian life. I mean... Think about what God would ask of me as His follower. Mike, are you willing to climb that mountain if I ask you to spiritually? Are you willing to sacrifice if I ask you to spiritually? Are you willing to give your life with such dedication and such effort at such cost just to follow me? And I'll be honest with you, there's been plenty of times when I've not been willing to do that. I've wanted the comfortable thing. In comparison to elk hunting, I wanted that elk to run down by the trail. I wanted him to be down there so that, you know, when we were sitting in the meadow eating our lunch, he'd just show up across the way, we'd stick our gun up, shoot that thing, and load him up on the horses and take him down. That's what I wanted. I did. I won't lie to you because that's the easy way. Amen, Randall? But it doesn't happen like that. And guess what? 
when it comes to the Christian life, it doesn't happen like that either. God wants us to follow Him up whatever mountain, across whatever down timber, sweat at whatever level we have to sweat, give whatever level we have to give, so that when we get to where He's led us, we'll see Him like we've never seen Him before. We'll know Him like we've never known Him before. And we'll worship Him like we've never worshipped Him before. But we are so lazy and so uncommitted. And honestly, we love Him so poorly that we not only don't get off the trail to follow Him, we don't even take the trip to see God in our car. We just don't want Him because we're afraid it's not going to be worth it. But I want you to know that it's impossible. It is impossible to run the Christian race with endurance and perseverance and not see God. It's impossible. And all He's asking of us is to stop being so selfish. He's asking us to stop being so self-centered. He's asking us to trust Him and run the race, to not let sin keep us from going and doing whatever He asks, wherever He asks, and giving whatever He demands. He's asking us to trust Him. Then we had... uh, I was ashamed of myself. I'll just be honest with you. Just ashamed. We get done hunting. We're coming home Friday morning. We got everything loaded up. And we know that Randall's truck didn't start the last time we tried it. And I've been praying all week because I need to get home. I need to get home and rest up. I need to get home and study up. I need to get home and get my heart right so I can preach this morning. And I'm ready to go. And Randall goes to start that truck and it won't start at all. It won't do anything. It won't turn over. Nothing. And, uh, and I'll just be honest with you. I got kind of upset. I did. Um, that old temper in me flares up sometimes and it's not so pretty. And then I pout. Because I'm trying not to let anybody else know. But I'm pouting anyway. And I'm so transparent that, you know, I was pouting. I bet if you ask Randall, he knew I was pouting. Which embarrassed me even more, because doggone it, I shouldn't be showing him that I'm pouting. I'm supposed to be his pastor. But I was pouting. But thankfully, God's working. And I sit there and I pout for a while, and I pray for a while, and, and I say, Father, man, if you want me to be on this mountain all day today, then Lord, awesome. Whatever. I, wanna, I just want to spend the day with you. I'll just do it here. That'd be great prayed that prayer next thing i hear is the truck trying to start i look over and there's randall he's jumping the starter from the battery tim's underneath beating on the starter with a with a tire wrench oh no he was hitting it with a with an axe handle from the top hammering on it like no way lord because we prayed we stopped and prayed already We, we laid hands on that truck we did so I went over and I said, hey, give me the axe and you get underneath and beat with the, with the tire iron. So I'm up top, I'm banging on that starter and Tim's down underneath, he's beating on it with the 
with a tire iron. And Randall's jumping that thing. And it started. It started. And I was so ashamed of myself for my lack of faith in my God that has shown Himself to me all week long. And honestly, again, if Randall and Tim hadn't been banging on that thing and working at it, if they hadn't been willing to go that extra mile, probably for me, honestly, in my selfishness, God wouldn't have shown Himself to us again in that truck. And I promise you, when that truck started, me and Randall and Tim Kelbert, we praise God. Don't you think we didn't praise God? Because it was a miracle that that thing started. And here I am saying to you that that would be the smallest miracle that God would ever want to show you, the smallest one. He says, run with endurance the race that is set before you, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. Who for the joy set before Him. You want to know an example of walking with God and persevering? You want to know what it means to live the life that God has called for us and to run the race? Look at Jesus, the Son of God, the sinless One, came to earth to be our Savior. And He looked at the cross. And you know what He saw when He saw the cross? He saw filth. And He saw disgusting sin. He saw wretchedness and putridness. He he saw the foulest of the wickedest of the most evil thing you could ever imagine. Our sin. My sin and your sin. He saw it. It was horrible. And yet for the joy set before Him. For the joy set before Him. He endured the cross. Does Jesus Christ know what it means to run with endurance the race that God set before Him? He most certainly does. He knows. He knows what you and I go through when the trials come our way. He knows the temptation to be casual. He knows the temptation to be lazy. He knows the temptation to be selfish. But he looked past all that temptation and saw the joy. And what was the joy? The joy was to honor his Father. The joy was to hear the Father say, Well done, Son. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's why we run the race. For the glory of our Father. The glory of the One who loved us. The glory of the One who sent His Son to die for us. That's the joy. Man, one day as we walk through this world and we live for Jesus Christ and we give our lives for Him, one day we're going to stand before the One who loves us like no other. And we can hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. What an honor it will be to glorify our Savior, our King, for living for Him. What a dishonor it is to refuse to live for Jesus Christ because we're too comfortable or too lazy or too unconcerned or whatever it might be, what a dishonor it is to our King. And he says in verse 3, For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
Listen, there's not much doubt in my mind that God has brought us as a church to a pretty crazy place. As I spent those hours praying, I prayed for me, I prayed for you, and I prayed for our church. And one of the things that God said was, I've brought you to this place. I've grown my church. I've brought you to a place where you've got to respond to me. We've already voted to build a building so that we can reach more people. But if you're going to follow me now, you're going to have to run the race with endurance. You're going to have to overcome the obstacles of sin. You're going to have to put away selfishness. College Heights is going to have to climb the mountain sweating, sore, tired, but thankful and willing if you're going to see me move more. That's what God said to me on the mountain this past week. He said, I believe this all my heart. Basically what the Lord was saying to me, and this is incredibly personal, there's a whole bunch of people at College Heights that with their lips say one thing, but they are unwilling to get off the path and follow me if it's going to cost them anything. Folks, if that's where you are, not only are you living in rebellion against God, just flat out sin, but do you realize you're just going to miss Him? And the sorry part of it is, is that others around us are going to miss Him as well. And at an even deeper level, and a chance that we have to impact this city and this state and this world by following God, if we say no, man, they're all going to miss it as well. Man, endurance is required in our life. It's not optional. It's required. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, His call to you is not some casual call to salvation. It's to die to yourself, surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and trust Him as Lord that whatever He would ask of you, you would give to Him. That's salvation. It's none less. But if you'll trust Him, not only will He forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, but He will be your God, your King, your Savior, your Lord every day for eternity. He'll never leave you or forsake you. There's no better offer anywhere. Honestly, if you're a Christian here today and you've lived that life that says I'm unwilling to get off the path and climb the hills and sweat a little bit and follow God to the unknown regions of my life, man, I know, I know, I know you. I know you. Your life's empty. Your life is empty. And you say... I shouldn't be empty because I'm a believer. You're empty because you're out of God's will. You're empty because you've said no to God so many times you can't hear His voice any longer. 
man, it's time to stop living for yourself. Start living for Jesus Christ intimately. Let's pray together. Father, I love you and I thank you for your word. I know, Lord God, that your word challenges us at levels that we don't often want to hear. But Father, you're calling us to come to you. You're not coming to us. You're the king. You're the master. You're the Lord. We are the created. We are the servants. We are the slaves. Father, give us a heart to love you supremely above all else. Give us a desire to follow you at any cost. Allow us, Lord, to experience you like we've never experienced you before and be worshipped in us. Father, I do pray that by your grace you would draw those who are here who are lost to salvation even now. Lord God, I love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before we do our Lord's Supper, we're going to give you a chance to respond. If God's speaking to you, respond to him this morning. Let's stand as we sing.